How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, Americans. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here, Open Line Friday. I'm feeling mostly better, not coughing as much today. Uh, The phone number, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this program, I am very happy to have you. If you will text the word ENGAGE to 33777, you can uh, get tickets to the gathering. It'll be in August uh, here in Atlanta. Uh, we got folks coming in from all over the country, some great speakers, Governor Doug Ducey of Arizona, Governor Gianforti of Montana, Governor Kemp of Georgia, uh, Speaker Johnson from Louisiana. We're inviting uh, as um, Steve Dane, Senator from Montana, uh, Ted Cruz from Texas. Got a lot of people we're inviting to the gathering. If you text ENGAGE to 33777, you can get tickets um, really excited to have everybody. I want to start with Linda's phone call here because I, I'm going to move on from student loans. She wanted to talk about it. So before I move on, I want her to be able to get a word in here. Linda, welcome to the show. Hi there. Hi. I've never called the show before, and I listen to you fairly regularly because I find you very informative and um, very interesting. Thank you very much. I am a Catholic Democrat, which is uh, strange in itself. Because I don't, I believe in the right to life, and I'm kind of a middle of the road person, and I've never voted often in my life. I just signed up at the DMV, and uh, decided to be a, re- a Democrat because um, I just didn't like a lot of the Republicans' stances, and um, they've gone far right, a lot of them, and over the top. So anyway. I wanted to talk about the student loans because it kind of breaks my heart to think about the people who maybe didn't go to college because they didn't want to get in debt or couldn't afford it, or people who had to go to a two-year college like I did and live at home not to run up high debts. How many people's lives would have been changed had they known they could go to college and then have their loan forgiven? It's just not right, and I wanted to make that publicly known somehow that um, I don't agree with it, I don't think it's fair, and I think it's foolish, and that's about it. Well, first of all, Linda, thank you, one, for listening, and two, um, thank you for for being brave enough to call into a conservative radio show host and say you're a Catholic Democrat and think the Republicans have (laughs) gone too far right, but, you know, I I honestly, I will tell you, I, I was an elected Republican. I've been a conservative for for forever, um, and I just I, I sometimes wonder what's going on with both parties these days. the The GOP seems to be just whatever the Democrats are for, we're against, and the Democrats seem to be whatever they're for, we're against. Right. And uh, where are the sane voices? So, so thank you for being a sane voice who recognizes the insane implications of this and the moral hazard that can come from it. And I hope you have a great weekend as well. Well, thank you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Can... Yep. Um, thank. I, I'm afraid I, I clicked the button too quick on you there. Um, but you know, to 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 her point, um, I, I I don't care where you are on the political spectrum, really. I think, you know, I, I do take the view that if we're all created in God's image, we've all got something to learn from each other. Even if I fundamentally disagree with you, I, I've I've got a couple of friends. I don't have a lot of them anymore, um, but I got a couple of friends who are just wackadoo progressives. Like, like I know one person who still doesn't understand the reaction to 9-11 because it was, an atta- it was something that happened to two buildings in New York City. That's how progressive uh, she is. Um, that, uh, yeah, it's a woman. Uh, that uh, what happened in New York to those two buildings was just two buildings. Why did we overreact? Literally, um, just and and we cannot talk, can't talk politics, can't talk politics at all, cannot talk politics at all. But she's a recipe developer, and I'm fat and like to eat, so we we find common ground on food. Um, but I just it's the the moral hazard created by bailing out student loans. That you know what's going to happen next is is more people are going to think, well, I'm going to rack these up, and at some point the government's going to bail out my loans. It's the same thing we're seeing with corporate America, where corporate America continues to make risky decisions, knowing that if they're too big to fail, the government will bail them out. And it's a terrible, terrible situation. Or, for example, um, take the Trump litigation in New York with the banks and the valuations of his properties and the alleged fraud there. You are going to see businesses, particularly real estate developers, uh, stop doing business in New York over cases like this. They wanted to get Trump so bad, they twisted everything to get him. Uh, And now he's going to go broke trying to put up a bond to appeal it. In fact, you know, I might as well take David's question here on this topic. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. I've been been keeping up with the uh, Trump New York things. and, And in my understanding, the more you borrow from a bank, the more interest and profit they're going to make in that loan. Mm-hmm. So aren't the banks somewhat uh, involved in a racketeering here to generate more profits where they're generally not warranted? Well, okay, so this is the wild and crazy thing about this Trump case is the uh, Trump valued his properties at a high rate, and the banks did due diligence and said they're not as valuable as you say they are, so we're not going to give you a loan for this amount of money. We're going to give you lesser amount of money. And Trump said okay and took the lesser amount of money and paid it all back with interest. So the banks didn't even accept his overinflated valuation. They, they gave a lesser valuation, and Trump went with it. And the entire prosecution is based on uh, he alleged his buildings were worth more than they were. Well, the bank didn't fall for it. That, that's why the whole thing is so well, that's insane. that's the first I've heard that. That's the yes. first I've heard that. I thought, in fact, I'll tell you. Know, you he got the, all this extra money that he really wasn't right. due to get, and he helped grow his business with it or pay off other debts. That's the angle I've been told by you know, the Yes, by side. everybody. Everybody's missing the point that the banks – now, there was there was one loan – so there were a variety of loans involved in the case, and there was a loan where the bank took Trump's valuation at face value, um, and, and they didn't do due diligence. Well, that's the bank's problem. That's not Trump's problem. Um, they yeah. took his they took his valuation. They gave him the loan, and he paid it all back. By the way, he paid every so bit there's, plus there's interest. No kind back. of racketeering scheme going on here. No, the banks. it's not I even racketeering. The banks would really be scared. No, and, know, and if... there's no victim. There is there's no victim in the case. The banks got their money back. Um, okay, it, well, it's, thank you. Yeah, it, it, David, listen, I appreciate the call. This is what infuriates me about this case, it, and the media doesn't seem to understand it. The banks had every opportunity to do their own due diligence. 
And in one case, they refused, and in the other cases, they did. And they all testified they'd do business with him again. The whole thing is 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 a scam. Um, it's it's ridiculous. Now, uh, I I, I want to pivot here, and I want to let me talk about what's going on at CPAC real quick. As you know, the Conservative Political Action Conference is me. Well, maybe you don't know. It's not getting as much buzz. It's not highly attended. Uh, I, I was somewhat defensive of CPAC yesterday because the 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 arena wasn't full, the venue there wasn't full, and it was a Thursday. But CPAC is packed on Fridays and Saturdays. There's nobody there. There will be people to come in to see Donald Trump when he speaks, but um, there's not a lot of people at CPAC. And this goes to a larger point I talked about this morning uh, in my morning email, that a lot of the conservative movement has lost its way. <clears throat> um, we are, the, the conservative movement, a lot of people say, in fact, a lot of people at CPAC who are going to be on stage at CPAC are yell regularly now, what has conservatism conserved? Well, conserve their money and their institutions at the expense of everything else. You know, the people who yell, what has conservatism conserved? It, it's, it's a great line for populists, but the populists have no actual positions. They want to use the government in the way progressives do, but for different ends, as opposed to the conservative movement, which wants to restrain government. Uh, and it's kind of laughable, the, these what is conservatism conserved after Roe v. Wade bit the dust. It's kind of laughable what is conservatism conserved after the Second Amendment's been expanded as an individual right in this country. And it's kind of laughable to ask what is conservatism conserved when homeschooling is now the most uh, rapidly growing movement for education in this country. Conservatism conserved and preserved all of those things and advanced them and so much more. Just because there is progressivism in America doesn't mean conservatism hasn't conserved stuff because progressivism and uh, conservatism compete. And what has populism done? Populism has come in and says we want to take all the things progressives have done and twist it for socially conservative ends. And the only way to conserve and preserve that is to ensure progressives never hold power again. The genius of conservatism, when conservatism is done well, and it's not done well in all cases, but in some cases it has been done very well, is to neuter and defang the government by rolling government back. Now you can say that it hasn't been very successful, and in some cases it hasn't. But look at the rollback of the administrative state by the courts. That was a conservative project, putting conservative judges in uh, the third branch of government. And now they're saying, wait a second, you don't have these expansive powers, administrative state. They must be rolled back. That's a very good conservative thing. Getting rid of Roe v. Wade is a very good conservative thing. The problem is the institutions of the conservative movement, like the American Conservative Union, now totally rebranded as CPAC, are dying. Uh, the National Rifle Association is almost a worthless institution these days. Uh, and it's because the trustees who are put in charge, who are older now, refuse to preserve the institutional integrity of the institutions. Everybody's just cashing in. I have a friend of mine. Uh, Y'all know who I'm talking about. And we had many conversations about him becoming a vocal Trump supporter back in 2016. Uh, he didn't appreciate my stridency against Trump. And in exasperation, not exaggeration, exasperation at one point, he said, all these people you and I are friends with, they're cashing in on this. Why, why can't I cash in too? Why can't I go with, go with, 
where everybody else is. Why do I need to plant my flag and say uh, this far, no further? Everybody else is moving. Uh, and, and he was deeply disturbed at the time with the way the conservative movement had turned out. And I am too. And I chose to plant my flag and say this is and isn't conservative and this is true north and this isn't. Uh, but so much of the conservative movement is now zombie. I mean, there, there's they are operating without brains in search of brains and can't find brains. They found grifters. And we see this on display at CPAC where yesterday it kicked off with one of the guys who was uh, pushed the Taylor Swift-Travis Kelsey conspiracy that turned into nothing. Now claims, oh, it was a joke the whole time. Well, they were sure serious about it for a few weeks. Kicked it off by saying that uh, January 6th was just the beginning of the end of democracy, and they intended to end our democracy. Now, he was um, needling the press and joking, but Steve Bannon was there saying amen to it, and it became a huge story. Top story of the Drudge Report, which you may not read, but a lot of people still do, and it was a defining moment for the opening of CPAC that these are the insurrectionists now. At a time where a lot of Americans say they won't vote for the Trump wing of the Republican Party because of the insurrection, they're easily defining themselves because they're playing for uh, the punchline. They're not playing for the advance of a cause. There are no ideas in the – there are plenty of conservative ideas, but too much of the conservative movement is wrapped up in a cult of personality now. And if that personality doesn't like the ideas, the conservative movement abandons those ideas. And it's so frustrating to me as someone who believes ideas matter. To see a gathering uh, at the conservative political action conference where they put the fringe voices who used to be on the outside of the movement back on stage. John Birch Society, for God's sakes, has been invited to CPAC this year. We got rid of the John Birch Society, the conservative movement, by Bill Buckley years ago. And the idea that they should be welcomed back when they're as fringe and nuts as ever. No. And yet here they are. Uh, a conservative movement has not conserved the things it could because the leaders of the conservative movement have gotten to retirement age and decided it's time to cash out, and they've been sweet-talked and had their butts kissed by young grifters for so long, they've been convinced that the young grifting butt-kissers are actually committed conservatives when, no, they're committed to cash. And it's playing out exactly as you would expect, and it's a shame to see. It's probably time to be rid of much of the conservative movement and rebuild it. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. This open line Friday, should you wish to be on it, let's go to the phones here. Steve, you're up next. Welcome. Hey, Steve? hello, Eric. Hi there. Yeah, can you, can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to say, uh, again, uh, thank you for the work you do. I, I subscribe because I think you're doing good work. 
Also, uh, the Heritage Foundation, I give a small amount every month to them because I feel like they're doing some good yes, work. Yes, they are. Love but, the Heritage Foundation. Uh, yeah, uh, the Hoover Institution, uh, you know, with Thomas Sowell and I believe it's William Buckley. Am I saying it right? Uh, it was it. Uh, oh, who you know? Bill Buckley's not there, um, but uh, you got Nigel Ferguson uh, and Thomas Sowell is there, um, and it's led by Condoleezza Rice right now. Okay. Hey, I'm just wondering your opinion. Do you think if they would be somebody uh, that's doing some good conservative yeah, work? Yeah. So I, I do actually think that uh, the um, that the Hoover Foundation, it, it's or Hoover Institution, it's not as as big, I think, as it once was, but it has become much more academic from the right, which I think is actually a good thing. They do a lot of work uh, e- on economic issues. They don't do as much on social issues per se, but a foreign policy and economic issues and uh, quintessentially conservative. They had some really brilliant people. Now, the sad thing is that a, a lot of their major uh, voices have died over time. Uh, I mean, you had, for example, uh, George Schultz was involved with it. Uh, Margaret Thatcher had a, a tie-in. Uh, she was an honorary fellow there, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, even Frederick Hayek back in the day. But um, And Milton Friedman, of course, uh, was a proponent of uh, the, the Hoover Found Institution. It's a, it's a great institution. It really is. Um, I really like them. They're good people. And Condoleezza Rice it, it leads it. I personally think she should be the president of Stanford, but she's happy where she is. There are still some great institutions out there. I, I love Heritage. Uh, Heritage Foundation is a great one. Uh, Hoover is, is another good one. Manhattan Institute, I think, is a great one. Texas Public Policy Foundation, probably my favorite of the state policy foundations, is Texas Public Policy Foundation. They are good, good people, have a lot of friends there. And they dedicate a lot of intellectual time to advancing states' rights and the conservative movement, not just for Texas but beyond. Another great organization that I'm a, a fan of and actually is advertising here is uh, Americans for Prosperity. I uh, genuinely love what Americans for Prosperity does. It, it kind of rose out of the Tea Party movement of the uh, mid-2000s, 2010. It was already around by then, established, uh, but has really focused on uh, parental rights, family rights, families, uh, limited government, uh, freedom for people, freedom in reform, tax regulation, deregulation, really just a, a great organization. I mean, in reality, Americans for Prosperity right now is knocking on doors in my state uh, and in Tennessee and in Texas and others about school choice, advancing freedom for parents to pick where their kids go to school. Great organization, and you should be a part of it. AmericasforProsperity.org slash Eric is where you go if you want to sign up to be a part of AFP. They can teach you how to be a very effective conservative activist. They're one of the best at teaching you how to be an effective conservative activist. It's AmericansforProsperity.org slash Eric is the website to go to. They've got over 4 million activists around the country working with them. You can be one of them. AmericansforProsperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Go sign up with them today. Greetings and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, those of you on the phones, I'm going to take your phone calls, but I got to talk about this story. You know, what is it? The Rorschach test? you, You see an ink blob and everyone can see the same ink blob and they can interpret it differently. 
we live in the age of the Rorschach test where everyone is given news and we get to interpret it differently. But a lot of people interpret the news the same way and it tells you the state of anxiety of 21st century American living. Many Americans woke up yesterday and their cell phones did not work. The AT&T network was down for parts of the country. I think 700,000 or so people affected nationwide, but it wasn't just AT&T that was down. Uh, There were parts of the country where Verizon was affected, T-Mobile was affected, uh, and others. I'm leaving out Cricket. Uh, Cricket is a cell network that's on AT&T's network, and it had some impact. Um, It's kind of funny to me how many people rush to think, oh, my gosh, is this an attack? Is this a hack? Uh, And and now I I say it's funny because I, I have some inside knowledge in this situation. I have a very good friend his long-term relationships with the folks at AT&T, and he texted me. So I was sick out yesterday. I I, I slept late. Uh, my voice is mostly recovered. I'm, I'm coughing some during commercials, not nearly as bad as I was the other day. But so I, I woke up to all these texts, and, and my phone wasn't working. It was in SOS mode. And I have this text from him, and it says, uh, the AT&T situation was not a hack. If you go on radio today, it wasn't a hack. Don't say it was a hack. Uh, They installed some new hardware and misconfigured the software, and it took them out. But it also took out Verizon, T-Mobile, and others in areas of the country where they use AT&T's backbone to relay data. Um, I was like, okay. Sure enough, everyone's like, it's a hack. It's a hack. Uh, The Chinese have hacked us. I saw Marco Rubio. Do you think this is bad? Imagine what happens when China invades Taiwan. They're going to take us all out. And in fact, there is good reason to be alarmed. There is very good reason to be alarmed about the reliance on the internet these days for everything. I mean, I know people who have washing machines and ovens and refrigerators connected to the internet. It's all hackable. I I, I don't need my oven connected via Wi-Fi. You know what I do have connected via Wi-Fi is my Rectech, uh, my grill. I can turn on my Rectech from my cell phone right here in studio so that it's to temperature when I get home so I can smoke my brisket. Uh, but I don't need my oven. I don't need my dryer. I've, I've got a. I've got an ice machine at the house, an undercounter of the little nugget ice machines, and it's got Wi-Fi. I, I've never used the Wi-Fi. I don't know why I need Wi-Fi. All of that is hackable. AT&T was not hacked. But a whole lot of Americans not only became convinced that it was hacked, but right now, AT&T internally was telling people in real time it wasn't a hack, has released a memo saying it wasn't a hack, and they're people, how can we believe AT&T? Some people only want to believe what they want to believe. They don't care about the facts. Concurrent to that, a number of pharmacies around the country were having problems processing insurance. That was a hack. A cyber attack against a, vis- a division of United Health Group caused a nationwide outage of a computer network that's used to transmit data between healthcare providers and insurance companies, rendering some pharmacies unable to process prescriptions, according to the company and reports uh, from affected organizations. United Health found a suspected nation state associated cybersecurity threat actor had access to subsidiary change healthcare systems on February 21st, prompting the company to disconnect them from other parties. United Health, the country's largest health insurer, said in a statement Thursday that the cyber attack and related network interruptions only impacted change healthcare 
and that all other systems were operational. Change Healthcare is a key intermediary in the $1.5 trillion U.S. health insurance market. So that one was a cyber attack. Law enforcement is involved. The AT&T one was not. It was a software screw-up. Someone's already lost their job. But then there's this New York Times report. Leaked files show the secret world of China's hackers for hire. Increasingly, private businesses are working with the Chinese on hacks. A local government in southwest China paid less than $15,000 for access to the private website of traffic police in Vietnam. Software that helped run disinformation campaigns and hack accounts on Twitter costs $100,000. For $278,000, Chinese customers could get a trove of personal information behind social media accounts on platforms like Telegram and Facebook. The offerings, detailed in leaked documents, were a portion of the hacking tools and data caches sold by a Chinese security firm called Isun, one of the hundreds of enterprising companies that support China's aggressive state-sponsored hacking efforts. The work is part of a campaign to break into the websites of foreign governments and telecommunications firms. I'll tell you the one that's coming. OnlyFans. OnlyFans. I guarantee you at some point all that data is going to leak and there are going to be a whole lot of men exposed for their porn on OnlyFans. Uh, and a, a whole lot of uh, people providing port on OnlyFans that their parents don't know about. It's all going to come out. It's only a matter of time before that one is exposed by Chinese hackers. And although maybe they won't, they'll just use it to blackmail people. Uh, we have way too much of our society now connected uh, over the public Internet in ways we don't need. The AT&T situation is a harbinger of something to come. We see how bad it was with a software failure. Imagine a hack that takes out their systems. A whole lot of people uh, will lose uh, first responder capabilities. There are emergency management systems that rely on AT&T's network. Uh, other, other cell phone companies, like, I mean, we saw Verizon was impacted in certain parts of the country by the backbone that AT&T uses to deploy data and cell service. We don't need so much of our society tied to the Internet. I realize you can say this is uh, get off my lawn old man syndrome here. But I am less and less inclined these days to buy things that are needlessly tied to the Internet because every single one of those things can in some way be hacked and ruined. And I don't need my refrigerator to have an Internet connection. I just don't need my Internet to do that. In fact, there was a, a, a tie-in story in the Wall Street Journal the other day on how appliances don't last as long as they once did. It is one of my huge pet peeves, as it is for most Americans. And it's actually something that's bothered Donald Trump so much he's campaigned on this issue. Your dishwasher and refrigerator and washer and dryer used to last a very long time. And they don't anymore, in part because companies to save money got rid of metal parts and exchanged plastic parts. This uh, Wall Street Journal story had someone who bought a GE dishwasher and the pump was, was plastic and got a crack in it and did like $30,000 worth of damage to their kitchen and subflooring and all. And they had no idea it was happening. Uh, and it was because to save money, GE went from a metal pump to a plastic pump. Same things happened with your dishwasher. You know, uh, we've got a KitchenAid mixer in our house. And uh, we actually tr have traded in our KitchenAid for something called an Anchor Shrum. An Anchor Shrum is a Swedish mixer, very much like a KitchenAid. You can do the same stuff with it. It's a completely different design. It has a learning curve to it. Uh, but Cooks Illustrated, I get a lot of information from Cooks Illustrated. Cooks Illustrated no longer recommends KitchenAid mixers. 
KitchenAid mixers, for those of you who don't cook, a KitchenAid stand mixer is the gold standard in kitchens, or at least it has been. They last forever. Ours has lasted for 25 years and has started uh, petering out. We needed to get something new. And Cooks Illustrated says, don't buy KitchenAid mixers if you can help it now. Get the Anchor Shrum, which is a better mixer because all the parts are metal. And it turns out, <coughs> from what I've read, a number of the KitchenAid mixers now, the gears are not as dependably made. Some of them uh, use plastic gears now. And KitchenAid now tells people if you do a lot of bread baking and stuff, don't knead your bread on more than the second speed. I'm sorry, but I like to knead my bread faster than that. That's why I use a mixer. And now KitchenAid says you'll, you'll burn out the motor if you do it. Um, all of these things. And, and by the way, it, it's to save money that a lot of them are making these cuts. But then the result is that the equipment's not nearly as good. And then they add internet connectivity to all this stuff that you don't need. I have a fancy coffee machine called a Jura. You may have heard my story about accidentally buying it, and it really was an accident. I didn't mean to buy it. But once we bought it, my wife was like, you can't take it back. This thing's too good. So we have it. It's got internet. I don't use the internet on it. I don't know why it has internet. I, I have no need for this thing to have the internet on it. Uh, and yet it does. Uh, there are too many devices in our houses that have the internet that don't need it. Uh, not only does it waste bandwidth in your house, but also uh, they're hackable. We've got to figure out as a society how to unhack ourselves because we know it's coming. You can see it on the horizon. Well, I mean, we've got this health insurance company. Its, it's insurance payment system was hacked by the Chinese or by some foreign actor. We don't know who. You got the Chinese in the story in the New York Times uh, talking about how they hire hackers in China now to, to be subversive and get information. This is all coming. We see it on the horizon, and yet we keep adding the Internet to stuff we have no business adding the Internet to. This is not wise, and we should all be able to see it coming. Okay, now to the phones. Uh, Anna, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Eric. How are you? Good. What's going on? Hey, listen, um, interesting story. I was I used to work for the government. I'm not going to say which agency. Um, but I was talking to an ex-colleague of mine a couple of weeks ago, and he told me that uh, the government is offering their employees up to get this $60,000 to repay their student loan. Wow. Good so I don't grief. know if that is in addition to the other stuff, the other money that they're giving them. Because think about it. Let's say they give them, I don't know, 10, 20,000, and then on top of the 60, that's like 100 grand. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I do know and there are some. Just don't notice. Yeah, there are some uh, areas of the country and in, in some government departments, they do have programs where like you're, you're doing like uh, special interest law for like uh, criminal indigent defense or you're teaching in impoverished areas. They agree to, to forgive your student loans and stuff. And, and I don't know that I have a problem with that to a degree, but this mass rush to get rid of the student loans of like the lawyers and, and the, the master's degreed kids. And yeah, this is, it's, it's a terrible program and it, it just, it creates moral hazard. It, for those of you who don't understand what moral hazard is, essentially the government's actions to pick winners and losers creates incentives for people to take behaviors they otherwise wouldn't take, knowing that the government will bail them out if, if something goes wrong. And it, it's disastrous. We've seen it in banking and finance, and now we're seeing it with student loan marketing. By the way, you, you know one of the things that's going to happen here? 
is colleges are not going to have any incentive to do anything. In fact, if anything, it's going to make tuition go up because they know, hey, the government's just going to forgive student loans. Colleges are the problem with the cost of education. College bureaucracies have increased. More colleges today, what was this study? I can't remember. Don't hold me to the exact numbers. But basically, in a survey in the last year, the number of colleges in this country that have grown their administrative bureaucracy as opposed to teaching is massively significant. Most colleges that have grown have grown in the administrative level, not in the teaching departments. Uh, and it's it's bureaucracies, the DEI bureaucracies and things like that in, in colleges that are subsidized by the government. They have no incentive to restrain their spending. They have no incentive to, to curtail what they're doing because the government's just going to bail them out. We are creating this massive moral hazard in this country, and it's economically ruinous over time. And it's the non-college educated have to bail everybody else out. You know, due to the recent un-American antics, a lot of banks have been pulling like lawful transactions with the federal government being shared with federal government, letting them know what you're spending money on and stuff. Uh, Old Glory Bank is announcing the American Banking Bill of Rights. It's a big deal for banking customers. Old Glory believes every American has these five inalienable rights. Oh my gosh, inalienable rights, but these are from a bank, so it's okay. (laughs) You got freedom of association, the right to bank without the risk of cancellation because of your church or political affiliations. Freedom of financial privacy, the right to banking privacy, shielded from government snooping of your financial transactions. The freedom from censorship, the right to access online payment apps without the threat of cancellation by big tech censors. The freedom of lifestyle, the right to banking services without limits imposed by a government social credit score. And freedom of American values, the right to bank with institutions that respect and support American values, like the right to keep and bear arms. Old Glory Bank holds these truths to be self-evident. If you do too, you can get a copy of their Americans Banking Bill of Rights at oldglorybank.com. Now, they wanted me to read that to you, and I think it's a great idea. Here's what I want you to know. They are my bank. I use them for my family because there are no fees for checking and savings, and you get a great interest rate on the savings account. They have great online bill pay. It is a great bank, y'all. When they came online, I was one of the day one account grabbers, uh, getters, whatever you want to call it. I got an account, and I haven't looked back. Uh, They are fantastic. Checking savings, you can do mortgages with them, whatever you need. They're fantastic. Uh, And no fees. Oldglorybank.com, you can get set up in less than eight minutes online. Oldglorybank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, terms and conditions do apply. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across America. The phone number is 877-973-7425, except we're out of time for phone calls. However, however, before we get out of here, I got to play all this, this clip. Let me find this clip. Um, yes, this is Claire McCaskill. Claire McCaskill is a progressive, uh, was a senator from Missouri. Josh Hawley beat her. She's been the angry progressive at MSNBC ever since. And and we'll just listen to this. This is kind of crazy. And can I make a suggestion? I move that every newspaper in America quits doing any fact checks on Joe Biden until they fact check Donald Trump every morning on the front page. It is ridiculous yeah. that the New York Times fact-checked Joe Biden on something. I mean, he vomits lies. Trump vomits lies. And he, every day, over and over and over again. And it's just ridiculous. That the- okay, I, I can just stop her out. She's upset that the New York Times fact-checked. Um, hang on a second. 
Hang on. Uh, just, just making sure here. Yes. The 46th president of the United States, Joe Biden, she does not want the New York Times to fact check them unless uh, him, unless they fact check Donald Trump every day, which they do. What sort of progressive partisan bubble do you have to be in to think the media is not hostile enough to Donald Trump? What they're doing here is what they've done to Politico. Politico uh, was attacked repeatedly by being right wing by Democrats. And so now you see they've gone so far left that they've actually got reporters going on, ironically, MSNBC, to say anyone who believes our rights come from God is a Christian nationalist, which must include Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, Joe Biden, and everyone else going back to Thomas Jefferson. Uh, they do not like having alternate opinions, and they don't like the media treating people fairly. The, the, Claire McCaskill is furious with the New York Times for fact-checking the President of the United States of America who, by the way, needs to be fact-checked. There are these growing concerns about Joe Biden. In fact, Axios today has this report that President Biden's been using note cards in closed-door fundraisers, calling on pre-screened donors, and then consulting his notes to provide detailed answers. The president's reliance on note cards is raising concerns among donors about Joe Biden's age. You think? I am bad with names. I am so bad with it. Like, I can recognize somebody's face and know I know that person, and I am so bad with names, y'all. I totally am. And I can imagine the President of the United States can be as well. But the fact that he's got to, like, use pre-screen note cards to talk to people, to answer their questions, things like that, that actually is a big red flag for him because the donors who are funding his party the care and feeding of donors is so important when you're in politics, when you're in a nonprofit world, uh, even in, in my world with advertisers to this program, just the care and feeding of the people who keep you going is important that Joe Biden can't do that without note cards, notes, and detailed answers written down for him in pre-screen questions is a horrible damning indictment on his mental state and his lack of ability to be president for four more years. But God forbid anyone point that out, Claire McCaskill, because they're not doing the same about Trump. You guys have a great weekend. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.